Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to today's edition of Hot Nights and Cold Bodies. I don't have just one body for you. I have more than 30 bodies exhumed from their graves in Middle Tennessee. Their caskets carelessly thrown into the grave, packed with garbage and embalming fluid bottles. In many cases, their vaults were missing, stolen by the very funeral director who sold them to the grieving families. At some point, during our lives or after, we will all come in contact with a funeral home. A series of events in a small Tennessee town stunned the community and shattered the lives of many people. We must warn you in advance that this broadcast contains graphic descriptions of the exhumations of human bodies. And if the details of the exhumations don't get to you, the actions of the men who caused the exhumations may well make you sick to your stomach. Imagine, if you will one of the worst days of your life. What happened could have been expected for many years, or a phone call could awaken you in the middle of the night. The Grim Reaper has come calling at your door. A parent, a spouse, or heaven forbid, you have lost a child. Either way, the passing of a loved one leaves you shattered. If you choose a traditional burial, you need someone to help you navigate the process of having a funeral and a burial. In your darkest hour, you need someone to care for your loved one's remains and treat them in a respectful manner. Someone to help you with the details, from picking out a casket to writing an obituary and choosing a grave site. You need a person who is kind, compassionate, honest, and truthful, who can be counted on to do what they say they will, as well as guarantee you get not only the service, but the merchandise you paid for. Someone to hold your hand for a few days until the funeral is over and the grieving process begins. For many years, there was just such a person, or so the community thought. The Barber Funeral Home in the Milldale community in central Tennessee, close to Springfield, was run by a longtime funeral director named Bobby Wilkes. Wilkes was a fine, upstanding man, a pillar of the community someone who could be called on at any time of the day or night to attend to the needs of the next of kin. He was active in the community and contributed generously to many charitable outfits as well as handing money to people in need. By all appearances, he was everything a funeral director should be. 
In October of 1988, all of that changed. For several weeks, bodies would be exhumed in Tennessee and Kentucky to find out just what Bobby Wilkes did, or didn't do, with the remains. In the end, Wilkes and his son would end up behind bars, and local families wanting answers that they really didn't want. There had been suspicions about the way Wilkes handled burials for some time. At the graveside, Wilkes would tell families that they could go home after the service and that he and his staff would handle the burial and they could come back later. After all, who really wants to watch their loved one being buried? It's not a pretty thing to see, as I can testify. Hearing the casket reach the bottom of the grave is about as heart-rendering an experience as one can have. And remember, Bobby Wilkes was a trusted man. If he said he would do it, then it was considered done. The family and friends of Danny Ray Pitt, however, didn't see it that way. He died at the young age of 39 on October 4, 1988. After his funeral two days later, Pitt was to be buried in the Hopewell Cemetery. Wilkes told everyone to go on home and he would take care of everything. Pitt's family already had suspicions about Wilkes, so they left the cemetery and proceeded to go into the Hopewell Baptist Church. The church provided a clear view of the cemetery and Danny Pitt's grave. After making sure no one was watching him, Wilkes proceeded to seal Pitt's grave, but not before tossing in several flower pots. When he was finished, he and his helpers took the burial vault intended for Danny Pitt loaded it back in the hearse, and drove away. One of the pallbearers, Donald Flatt, called the police and reported what he and the others saw. Flatt was wary of Wilkes stemming from his mother's burial in 1985 when something wasn't quite right. Detectives had a crew dig into Danny Pitt's grave and found that the vault, which Pitt's sister paid $375 for, was not there. Who knows how many times that same vault was sold, hauled out to the cemetery, hauled back to the funeral home, and resold. Donald Flatt had said he would have his mother's remains exhumed and there may be a whole series come out after that. He was right. After news of the exhumation got around town, the floodgates were opened. Wilkes and his son, Gary Wilkes, were arrested on October 7th by Robertson County deputies and charged with attempting to commit a felony to obtain money under false pretenses. As soon as he was able to make his bail, Bobby Wilkes immediately headed to the Tennessee Christian Medical Center and checked himself in for a mental evaluation. His daughter-in-law, Teresa, described him as suicidal, often staring into space and not interacting with his family. In the meantime, Exhumations were the order of the day in Sumner and Robertson counties. Authorities said requests for exhumations were coming in so fast they did not even have time to organize their case files. The state of Tennessee got in on the act, saying that families who could not afford an exhumation would be taken care of with state funds. Upon his release from the mental hospital, Wilkes was immediately arrested again by Robertson County authorities, this time he was jailed, and his bond set at $82,500. The count of exhumations had grown to 15 by that point, and the findings were the stuff of nightmares. Edward Russell Carlyle was buried in the Cross Plains Cemetery in 1982. 
His son and daughter stood by as probes were inserted into the grave in hopes of finding a casket or vault. When none were located, the exhumation proceeded and revealed pieces of clothing, a flower stand, and Carlisle's skeletal remains. In the Oakland Cemetery, Wilkes had buried Maudie Lou Foster in 1982. Her remains were found, but that was all. The casket and vault the family paid for were missing. Joseph Roth was buried in the Jake Link Cemetery in January of 1988. There was no vault and no casket. However, the bottom of a vault was tossed into the grave on top of Roth's body. His family had insisted on attending his burial, but when they arrived at the cemetery, Roth was already in the grave and Wilkes was filling in the dirt. A woman hiding behind an abandoned school bus saw three men take a green bag out of a van and carry it towards the grave. Upon exhumation, it was found that the grave was only three feet deep. A week after his funeral, the casket of Danny Ray Pitt was opened. Along with Pitt's remains, garbage including a dog food can, a filled vacuum cleaner bag, and used diapers were found. Several documents were also found, including the death certificates of other decedents. Ollie Carter was buried in 1987 and Brenny Crowder in 1981 in the United Methodist Church Cemetery. Their exhumations reveal both without the vaults the families paid for. Randy Joe Duty was buried in 1986 in the Hopewell Baptist Church Cemetery. His body was originally buried in Cross Plains, but Wilkes moved the body to Hopewell after learning his family wasn't happy with the plot in Cross Plains. Problem was, Wilkes didn't bother to tell the Duty family about the switch. His body was exhumed October the 11th, and his fault was missing. Several of Wilkes' burials took place at the Cross Plains United Methodist Cemetery. John Wilson was exhumed October the 11th and was missing his vault. Lawrence Fowler died in 1987. His grave was opened October 12th and was missing the vault. Fowler's casket was on its side and filled with garbage, including old milk cartons. Herschel Bush is one of the most recent burials, having died in August of 1988. His exhumation revealed that not only was he buried without a vault, milk cartons and a bag of what appeared to be human hair were found in the grave. Jim Ike Harris was buried in 1985 without the vault or casket his family purchased. Pauline Proctor Royster died in June of 1988 and was buried without a vault. Not only was she missing the vault, her casket was twisted sideways in the grave. Aljo Woodard died in 1982. He was buried at the Friendship Baptist Church in Cross Plains. His October the 11th exhumation failed to locate his vault or his casket. His body was wrapped in a green blanket and covered with carpeting. James Wesley White was buried at the Bethlehem Baptist Church near White House. He was also interred without his vault. So if you're keeping score here, for the first 15 graves that were opened, all 15 of them were missing the vault. Five were missing the casket and the exhumations weren't nearly over. One exhumation in particular is disturbing. Wilkes not only buried Lena Flat without a vault, 
Her casket was sideways in the grave. Why anyone would treat a human body like that is beyond comprehension. But why would you treat the mother of one of your best friends, a man you grew up with, in that manner? Ray Flat, Lena Flat's son, grew up on the same farm as the Wilkes family and shared a swimming hole. As adults, Wilkes became a mortician and Flat became a preacher. Ray Flat lived in Hendersonville but went home to Cross Plains to preach funerals arranged by Wilkes. In 1965, Flat was starting a tent ministry. Wilkes pulled out a $100 bill and gave it to his friend. Flat had many great memories of his friend, but the discovery that his mother's casket was cracked and her remains horribly decomposed and missing her vault, Flat and his family didn't know what to think. They weren't alone. Wilkes' former friends and neighbors struggled to comprehend how one of the county's best citizens could possibly be involved in a massive plot to defraud his customers by stealing caskets and vaults that the families paid for. Bobby Wilkes was born and raised near Springfield, Tennessee. He earned a Bachelor of Science degree in 1959 and returned to the community, taking over the Barber's Funeral Home in 1961. He had married in the late 1950s, and he and his wife Rachel raised two children in the community. In 1965, he earned a certificate from funeral school and ran a good business at the funeral home. He served on the Robertson County Commission and, to quote John Wilson, a staff writer for the Nashville Tennessean who wrote several outstanding articles on the scandal, Wilkes had built a nearly unshakable reputation as a community do-gooder. He supported charitable projects, even buying and paying for the scoreboard in the gymnasium. In the late 1970s, however, his carefully sculpted facade began to crack. In 1980, he was accused in a 1978 body-snatching case at Vanderbilt Hospital when a body was removed from the hospital without authorization. He was personally cleared of wrongdoing, even though equipment from his funeral home was allegedly used to take the body. In 1983, more accusations surfaced. He allegedly engaged in oral sex and taking nude pictures of a 13-year-old boy in the basement of his funeral home. He pled guilty to several charges in exchange for being placed in a pretrial diversion program. He was required to attend regular psychiatric evaluations at a mental health center. He had resigned as a Robertson County Commissioner the day he was charged. He landed in trouble with the State Regulatory Board over the incident, but he was able to avoid a hearing because state inspectors were unable to locate him to serve the paperwork. His reputation remained unshakable after that event, especially after the boy's parents were charged and pleaded guilty to trying to extort $8,000 from Wilkes in exchange for the juvenile not testifying against him in court. The community also let slide his bitter divorce in 1984 from his wife of 26 years. His wife had a restraining order placed against him, claiming he attacked her and attempted to choke her when he learned the divorce was imminent. Through it all, even through the improper burials, some in the community continued to give their unwavering support, feeling that perhaps their champion had fallen mentally ill. Tales of his goodness and kindness came from throughout the community, 
but his goodness had been destroyed forever in the minds of many who now believed Wilkes was an evil man with no conscience. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The accusations against Wilkes and his funeral home continued to pile up, and the tales became more and more bizarre. The graves of Gladys Baker, buried in 1984, and her son Paul, buried in 1986, were in the Oak Grove Cemetery in Sumner County. Investigators found that Paul Baker was buried in a plastic vault when he was supposed to be in a steel vault. The family also opened the grave of Gladys Baker, but when they found that the vault was in place, they decided not to proceed further. It was reported that Nola Sharkey, Gladys Baker's daughter and Paul Baker's sister, said she had filed a complaint with the state regulatory board a week after Paul Baker was buried. She said that Wilkes had waited until the morning of the funeral to embalm Baker's body, but he didn't do the embalming at the funeral home. Instead, he embalmed the body in the church vestibule. Sharkey said the odor from the embalming fluid made the church smell so bad that mourners thought the sewer had overflowed. Wilkes and an assistant sprayed cans of air freshener during the funeral to mask the odor. She also said that Wilkes removed an expensive pair of glasses from Paul Baker's body and the family had to ask for them to be returned. Walter Lee Redfearing died in early May 1988. He was exhumed on October 17th. A funeral director present at the examination stated that the amount of decomposition present indicated that the body had probably not been embalmed. Red Fearing was also missing the vault his family paid for. James Hester, exhumed from the Link Cemetery in Sumner County, was missing his vault and the body was in a different casket than his family paid for. In nearby Robertson County, an infant's grave was exhumed. The grieving parents bought a coffin and vault for their stillborn daughter, but when the grave was opened, the funeral merchandise Wilkes sold the family was not present in the shallow, one-foot-deep grave. The infant's body was wrapped in a blue plastic bag. During the exhumations, several families hired an attorney who prepared a class-action lawsuit against Wilkes. The charges would be, among others, breach of contract, fraud, and outrageous conduct. A judge later denied class action status, saying that a series of separate incidents gave rise to the action rather than one incident. There was action proposed against the state of Tennessee's Funeral Directors and Embalmers Board. Their records showed that Wilkes had been named in several complaints, but that no action was taken. Some of the complaints were never pursued because the families failed to prepare the correct paperwork for the board. Before his arrest, Wilkes was scheduled to appear before the board to explain pricing discrepancies found in inspections. 
the casket would have one price displayed and the general price list would have another. Of course, Wilkes didn't make the hearing as he was sitting in jail at the time. One of those complaints said that nude photographs were taken of a woman in 1968 while at the funeral home. Wilkes denied any knowledge of the incident. Wilkes had escaped prosecution two years earlier when the family of a man buried without a vault decided not to testify against him. Edgar Smith was dug up in January of 1986, two days after he was buried, after the family realized they never saw the vault they paid for. Smith's body was in his casket. Wilkes told the family it was all a misunderstanding and buried their father in a new casket and a new vault. Smith's family members filed a complaint with the board, but they were so heavily criticized in the community, they withdrew their complaint. Some in the community, including their own relatives, thought so much of Bobby Wilkes that they didn't believe the family's account of the burial. After Smith was reinterred, the grave was periodically probed with a metal rod to ensure the vault, as well as the one in their mother's grave, was still there. In October of 1988, exhumations continued at a record pace. Some 30 families had requested exhumation orders to have the graves opened. In Simpson County, Kentucky, Wilkes buried Charles Wayne Hollis in November of 1985 after he was burned beyond recognition in a trailer fire. A vault and casket were in the grave, but the body bag that Wilkes said contained the remains were missing. Wilkes told the family a body bag was placed in a sealed casket. Instead, remains found on a plastic covering inside the coffin could not be identified. Coroner Thomas Crafton said there was really no way to know if it was Hollis's body. Also opened on October 18th was the grave of Flossie Burnett Estes at a church cemetery in Orlinda, Tennessee. Estes was buried without a vault. The casket was filled with bags of garbage, and the casket had caved in. Found under the casket were four damaged foot markers from nearby graves. Another grave in White House, Tennessee, was open, but the family decided not to purse further when a vault was found in the grave. To no one's surprise, it was not the vault they paid for. The findings in the graves kept getting worse. The body of Gladys Birdwell Chubb was buried in the Owens Chapel at United Methodist Church in 1978, making it the oldest one exhumed so far. Her grave was opened on October 19th. Club's decomposed body was in the vault and family the casket paid for. A ring and necklace that had been placed on her were found, along with two embalming fluid bottles and two bottles of ski soda, one of which had never been opened. Club's daughter said, they better keep that under lock and key. I could make one phone call and have him killed. He does not put garbage in my mother's grave. That same day, authorities dug up the body of Lucille Kleiner at the Orlinda Cemetery. Wilkes buried her not in the vault her family ordered, but in a steel box. When they opened the casket, embalming fluid bottles, Empty dog food cans and editions of three different newspapers from the week she died were with her. The family said they were raised within a half mile of Barber's funeral home and had known Wilkes all their lives. October 22nd brought two more exhumations. 
Amazingly, the grave of a teenager buried in 1984 was found to be intact. The correct vault and casket, and no garbage in the casket. The elation the exhumation company had at finding a correct burial was short-lived. At the Mount Carmel Baptist Church, the grave of Bobby York was opened. He was buried on September 12th, making his grave one of the most recent ones. His casket was not in the vault paid for, but in a metal box. When the casket was opened, nobody was surprised when an empty milk carton, soft drink bottles, a cat food can, and an empty embalming fluid bottle were inside. One of the most bizarre moments came when the marker from another grave was found under the casket pillow. The small marker had the name Sarah Elizabeth Brown and the dates 1897 to 1952. Investigators had no idea who Sarah Elizabeth Brown was, where the marker came from, or most importantly, why it was in the casket. The exhumations were complete about the end of October. The excavating companies said they would continue to dig if families were willing. Perhaps families believed that Wilkes had done them right and further revelations would damage Wilkes' reputation even further. It could be that the community was tiring of the scandal and wanted nothing more to be revealed. Think of it this way. No one knows how many improper burials there were. But think of this. We know Bobby Wilkes started in the funeral business in the mid-1960s. The first improper burial was discovered in 1988. No one knows when Wilkes started dumping caskets and stealing vaults. But from the mid-1960s to the late 1980s, I will just leave it to your imagination. Either way, feelings ran deep in Robertson and Sumner counties. District Attorney General Dent Morris said a grand jury in Robertson was scheduled for January of 1989, but that if circumstances warranted, a special session could be called. Morris also said that the evidence obtained during the investigations, no matter how old, could be used in court. The statute of limitations in Tennessee for fraud is four years, but since the evidence was buried, the statute of limitations was told. Wilkes and his son, Gary, appeared in Sumner County Court in November and were bound to the grand jury in that county. During that hearing, their attorney entered not guilty pleas. After the hearing, a statement from Bobby Wilkes was released to the media. Wilkes said, I'm sorry it happened. I didn't mean to harm anyone. In October 20th, the state board suspended Wilkes' funeral directors and embalmers licenses for the improper burials which closed the doors on the Barber Funeral Homes in Milldale and White House. Secondary was the fact that he was fined $1,000 for the pricing violations. In November, the board formally revoked the licenses, finding him guilty of immoral and unprofessional conduct. The board's attorney said that Wilkes demonstrated depravity and cold-bloodedness on a scale never seen before. He also said that the evidence showed a clear pattern of Wilkes' desecration of human remains and graves. In November 1988, the Sumner County Grand Jury met and indicted Bobby Wilkes and his son, Gary, for charges related to the burials of James Roth and James Hester. The senior Wilkes was indicted on two counts and his son one count of larceny by false pretenses. 
A trial date was set for the Sumner County charges on January 17, 1989, but that trial, like most others, there would be delays. Similar charges were pending in Robertson County. Bobby was indicted in January on 25 counts of obtaining property under false pretenses, 25 counts of attempting to commit a felony, and 21 counts of improper handling of a dead body. His son Gary was indicted on two counts of obtaining or attempting to obtain money under false pretenses and one count of improperly handling a dead body in connection with the burial of Brenny Crowder, who was buried in 1981 without the vault. Gary Wilkes was later found guilty on the charges in both counties and wound up serving time and paying a $750 fine. Sadly, his freedom wasn't the only thing Gary Wilkes lost. He lost his family as well. His wife and young daughter left him after the scandal broke. His wife said she felt constantly threatened because of her last name. She also said she had information that would help prosecutors. She said her husband had given her five rings, a gold chain, three pairs of earrings, and a bracelet that she suspected were taken from corpses which would solidify the statements of family members whose loved ones were exhumed with personal items missing. Bobby Wilkes' indictment was sealed, but Gary Wilkes' indictment was public, and it is a classic. That indictment said that Gary, unlawfully, shockingly, unnecessarily, lewdly, offensively, disgustingly, outrageously, and with total disregard for the commonly accepted principles of morality and simple common decency, did handle a human body, the dead mortal remains of Brenny Crowder, in a manner which offends the public sense of decency and morals by failure to install a vault as ordered by the family of the deceased. That just about covers it. And if that wasn't enough, Geraldo Rivera came to town and taped an interview with Jackie Flatt's family to discuss the improper burials. Flatt's mother, uncle, and brother-in-law were all victims of Wilkes' fraud scheme. In April of 1989, Wilkes was offered a plea deal of 20 years imprisonment in Robertson County in exchange for a guilty plea. Wilkes' attorney, Mike Crawford, rejected that deal Family members of the deceased persons didn't like that at all, with one saying 20 years wasn't enough. May of 1989 saw Bobby Wilkes in a courtroom in Sumner County where he pled guilty to two counts of grand larceny by false pretenses. He faced a maximum of 12 years on those charges, and again, family members said that 12 years wasn't enough time to compensate them for the anguish they had suffered. In September, he was sentenced to four and one-half years for the improper burials of Joseph Roth and James Ollie Hester. That would clear out the Sumner County cases. Robertson County prosecutors were waiting their turn. Rather than go to trial, Bobby Wilkes pled guilty to 71 counts of burial fraud in exchange for a 23-year sentence. Wilkes would have to serve 30% of that time for being eligible for parole. How exactly did the 23 years come to be? At a conference of the district attorney and the families, 
One victim suggested that Wilkes serve one year for each family represented. Twenty-three families showed up. Twenty-three years it was. Each one-year term would be served consecutively. On top of that was the four and a half years he got in Sumner County, and his sentence was 27 years, 11 months, and 29 days. He was also ordered to pay restitution to the victims. But with his funeral home gone and his license permanently stripped by the state, good luck with that. Shortly after his sentence was announced, Wilkes wrote a letter to Dorothy York apologizing and explaining what he did to her loved one's body. Wilkes' letter said that Bobby had a tremendous amount of water fluid in his body when he died. The paper products were put in around the feet to absorb moisture which escapes after the body is embalmed. I can tell you for a fact, dead bodies don't sweat. York's grave, you will remember, had an empty milk carton, soft drink bottles, a cat food can, and an empty embalming fluid bottle along with the paper documents. Wilkes denied ever putting trash in the grave, but he did say that if he had done it, it would have been under the casket and not where anyone could see it. Now to me, that sounds kind of like a certain athlete turned celebrity in later years. I didn't do it, but if I did, here's how I would have done it. Wilkes later tried to sue WSNV Channel 4 in Nashville for allegedly being punched by a cameraman as he exited the courthouse. Later, he tried to sue for invasion of privacy, saying that prison officials made sure he was on camera when Governor Ned Ray McWhorter visited the prison. The millions Wilkes sought would have taken care of his victims. As you can guess, however, both suits were dismissed without ever seeing a courtroom. At a parole hearing in July of 1993, Wilkes was denied parole, much to the joy of his victims' families. One of the victims told Wilkes, I hope you don't never get out, bub, and you better hope I don't see you if you do. Parole officials stated that Wilkes could try again in five years. In 1996, Bobby Wilkes would face charges of an entirely different nature. He was indicted on six counts of molesting minor female visitors in a recreation room where children would watch movies while relatives visited other prisoners. Now, one thing I would like to know, did nobody check out Wilkes' records and see he had a prior sex charge before letting him around children? He was found guilty of those charges as well and sentenced to six consecutive counts of 30 years and a fine of $25,000 on each count. Bobby Wilkes never left prison alive. He died of natural causes in January of 2017 at the Lois DeBerry Special Needs Prison in Nashville at 81 years of age. There were few reports of his passing and no published obituary that I could find. One Robertson County digital publication, the Smoky Barn News, reported that his body was claimed by his family. Bobby Wilkes was granted the dignity in death that was stolen from his clients and their families. A funeral director from the Robertson County area, speaking on the condition of anonymity, told me that Wilkes was cremated 
and the cremains returned to his family. No one knows which funeral home handled the cremation because none of the facilities will own up to it. I certainly can't blame them. If Bobby Wilkes had a traditional funeral, it would have been justice for the families of his victims to gather at the cemetery and tell the funeral directors, Y'all going home now. You don't need to see this. We'll take care of everything. Emotions still run high in Robertson and Sumner counties when the name Bobby Wilkes is mentioned. Of course, desecrating his body would have made those families no better than the man they despised, and ultimately, living well is the best revenge. For sure, no funeral director in the area will ever tell a family to go on home and come back later. Personally, I never turn my back on anybody. And after researching this story, I particularly never turn my back in a cemetery. One byproduct of this tragedy was that the State Board of Funeral Directors and Embalmers, along with other regulatory boards, was granted more funding that would provide for more inspectors and more frequent inspections. Today, the board has three licensed funeral directors who canvass the state visiting every funeral home every year to ensure compliance with state law. They also have four examiners who visit funeral homes and cemeteries to ensure that pre-need funeral and cemetery funds are handled correctly and invested properly. The state also enacted Tennessee Code Chapter 39-317-312. That law made it a Class E felony to desecrate a human body. The statute reads, A person commits an offense who, without legal privilege, knowingly, physically mistreats a corpse in a manner offensive to the sensibilities of an ordinary person, disinters a corpse that has been buried or otherwise interred, or disposes of a corpse in a manner known to be in violation of the law. A corpse, for purpose of this statute, refers to any human body in any state of decomposition or cremated remains of a human body. 99.9% of funeral directors are hard-working, decent people who are running a business and trying to make a living. The other 0.1%, if you're planning to dispose of a body in a manner contrary to the law, or maybe throw in trash or an empty embalming fluid bottle, just remember, somebody is watching. Hot Nights and Cold Bodies is available on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker.com, and YouTube. Original music for this production by D. Yankee and the song Midnight Mass. Research for this podcast is done through the archives of Newspapers.com, The National Tennessean, and United Press International. Hot Nights and Cold Bodies is a production of Grave Undertaking's Monument Restoration Services. See our Facebook page, Grave Undertakings. Until next time, if you look for me, I'll be in the cemetery. You never know what I might dig up.